Welcome to the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome or welcome back to the third Sunday in Lent for the week of March 4th, 2018. I'm excited to have you here. If it's your first time or if you're returning again, I'm super excited to have you here. And I think this is a a great week to kind of dig into, and there's a lot of great content. But before we get into that, we got a couple things that I want to just kind of discuss, because it's been a a rough week if you want to look at it from a faith perspective. We've had a long week in the aspect of having the shooting in Parkland, Florida, and just we need to be keeping praying as a community about this, and we have to be, I think, in prayer, thinking about and being conscious on what is God calling us to be doing at this time, and, and using our words constructively and and effectively and i think it's one of these things that it's going to be a it's a hard issue but i think we have to be sensitive to the time and actually maybe even patient on listening to what god has to say and i think on top of that i think the person who has exemplified that and as me being a younger person kind of learning more and more as i go along is the passing of billy graham and what billy graham really meant for the faith community as a whole. Uh, for me, learning what he has done in the area that I grew up in, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and the impact that he's had there, but not only there, not even just in the United States, but around the world. And so I think it's a time, again, as we're in Lent, and I've always talked about and mentioned multiple times that this is a time of reflection, a lot of time of thought. And, and thinking about and preparing us for Easter. And I think this is, again, a moment in time where we can really stop and think. And when the world is trying to tell us to go faster and faster and, and to maybe accuse or, or say stuff, I think it's a time to reflect and think and, and be uh, wise with our words. One of the people who's impacted my life the most was my great uncle, and he was one of the people in my life who... He didn't always say a lot, but when he said something, it meant a lot. And that's been a lesson I think my whole life I'm going to continue to work on because I'm not always great at that. In fact, I'm rarely good at that. So, yeah, I want us just as a faith community, we definitely need to be praying about this. We need to be thinking about this, and I think using our words carefully. It's one of the things that I think it's hard for me when I'm trying to produce these ahead of time uh, to be able to give you something to think about because this is going to be two weeks after it happened but I still think it could be very relevant to think about and consider as we get into this and I honestly think this week's sermon kind of plays into that a little bit and I'm excited to get into it but before we even get into that I want to again I want to do my shameless plug for working preacher I'm going to be actually using uh, lots of the different commentaries this week. It's a great resource. There's a lot of great information. A lot of great preachers who are much more experienced than I, especially since I'm not an ordained minister, uh, just being able to research and tap into some of the minds of some of these people. One of them that I'm going to be using a lot this week is Caroline Lewis's commentary from 2015 on John. She's literally written a book on this. She's one of the people who's in the Sermon Brainwaves podcast. It's great, great content. Great. It's 
worth a read. And if you haven't checked it out, it's worth your time there. There's a lot of great articles and a lot of great resources there. So it's definitely something I would plug if you're a preacher or not a preacher, just to spend some time looking at the different resources that are there. But as we get into this third week of Lent, I am really excited because I think this is a really kind of a fun, different way of kind of approaching this I'm hoping to bring on. And I think this is kind of a, a shift passage, I want to say. This this reading kind of is, again, another shift, I feel, in Lent that we can really spend some time reflecting on. So the gospel reading this week is coming from John chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. And this is the story of Jesus cleansing the temple. But we have to remember, one, we're having a change of Gospels. We've been doing a lot in Mark. We're suddenly in John. So there's a shift here. Two, this comes right after the wedding in Cana. So again, this is not where in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this is kind of the final thing that kind of gets the people stirred up to possibly to really look at having some type of conviction against Jesus, this is still early on in his ministry. And three, as we'll kind of address when we really dig into this, Jesus doesn't accuse the people selling the different cattle and sheep and stuff that in the temple as kind of bank robbers or or thieves. He he's approaching this in a different manner, and I think it's it's a key description and key difference that really opens up kind of where John is going with this gospel, and I think it also breathes life into what what God is using, what is God speaking to John to say to us on this side of the crucifixion? The Old Testament reading or the first reading is from Exodus chapter 20 verses 1 through 17. And this is your 10 commandments. This is when Moses is given the 10 commandments and he is reading them to the people on what this should be. Again, kind of a weird thing for me to be talking about, uh, especially right after uh, Parkland. But I think, it again, dealing with kind of what we have also in the gospel reading, I think this is a great contrast verse, and it actually ties in beautifully. The psalm is Psalm 19, and this is actually a really fun psalm when you when you listen and look into what different people who have studied this a lot more than I have talked about with this psalm. They talk about how the first half of this psalm, the psalmist is going through and talking about the beauty of God, and it's really using the sun. And then out of that, they see the beauty of God's law, and then how that, how those tie together. It's a beautiful psalm. Spend a little time this week reading that and really meditating on that. It's it's a great psalm. Uh, the final final verse here, verse 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And for the New Testament reading or second reading, we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 18 through 25. And we are back in 1 Corinthians and we are back with Paul talking to the church in Corinth. And it's a beautiful kind of, I think, it fits 
perfectly between when we're getting the Old Testament and what the Ten Commandments are. And we have Jesus, who, as we'll talk about, I think is kind of ushering in a different type of what he thinks the faith will look like after his resurrection, especially being on this side of it, knowing where the gospel is going and what his ministry is going to be saying. This sits beautifully in the middle, talking about the difference of the wisdom of the world and wisdom of God. And this, to me, is kind of the kicker where where the rubber meets the road and where we really get to dive into this. So let's let's dive into John. Let's let's talk about what we got here. So we have Jesus entering the temple in Jerusalem. And we have this traditional image of what we see where we have the cattle and the sheep and the doves and they're being used then as we would assume for the traditional sacrifices that we see in the Old Testament. And if we start in verse 16, He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. And again, we get this in all four gospels, but here's where things start to change. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Then the disciple, the Jews then said to him, what sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, destroy the temple and in three days I will rise up, rise it up. The Jews then said, the temple has been under construction for 46 years and you will rise it up in three days. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus has spoken. So we have a change here because he doesn't call out them as money changers or or thieves. He starts using this image of his body. Now, I see this as a major, major change. And I think we can we can look to John to kind of answer this. If we think about the the traditional verse that we learn as a child, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. And I think the key word in that whole passage, that whole verse, is world. Isn't it interesting that God does not use people? And Caroline Lewis kind of gets into this a little bit too, where she starts looking at John in chapter 4, where the woman at the well starts asking about whether or not they should be worshiping you know, in Jerusalem or on Mount Gerizim. And Jesus says, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. He he doesn't he doesn't play by the rules here. He doesn't play by what we're expecting. And what I'm seeing from this is as we Think about as we're leading toward this. Think about when he is crucified and the veil is torn in the temple. I see this as God saying, no longer is it the building that matters. I am no longer contained in a building. We have the Ten Commandments on what God is expecting of us, what God is wanting us to be from the Old Testament reading, how he wants his followers to act. We get that. Then we get this thing from Jesus 
taking what we have been using as the traditional sacrifices through the whole Old Testament, and he's essentially saying this no longer needs to be done. And us being on this side of the crucifixion, we realize that we know that his body, like it even says in verse 21, he was speaking of the temple of his body. He is the sacrifice. He is doing this. Because of this, we no longer have a temple that we need for us to connect with God. This has been changed. And we get this later in the New Testament when we are given the Holy Spirit. He is saying we no longer need the four walls of the temple. He is saying that I am out, I am moving, I am with you, I am among you, right here, right now. And then when he physically leaves us, he gives us his spirit to be among us. I think one of the, the, the crazy things right now in our world is that we get consumed with cities. And, and I'm not saying cities are bad. There's a lot of great things that happen in cities. And there's a lot of things where we can see God moving in cities. But I think there's times that we forget to go and spend time with the handiwork that God literally made. That he placed. That he worked. The land. The trees. The mountains. The lakes. The rivers. Frozen. Snow. Sand, deserts, ocean. We have all these amazing things where we see the power and the essence of what God can do. We have this beautiful psalm in Psalm 19 when the psalmist is going through and literally talking about how the sun is showing the beauty of God. And it's also showing God's law, God's handiwork. And then we have Paul talking about the wisdom of the world versus the wisdom of man. The wisdom of man in the world versus God's wisdom, God's law, God's what he's calling us to be. Why are we so consumed with a building? Just because is that is that the way of the world and what what we conceive this? And I think it's one of the things as a church, as we're going through Lent, we need to really consider and think about, are we using our buildings to the best possible way that we can? Is our congregation doing that? Is our congregation seeing the church as a building? Because the church is a group of people. The church is the congregation. The church is my brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the church. I think we really need to, to think about this as we as we go through this. And, and for me, when I go out and when I'm seeing snow, for instance, just the other day, we had six inches of snow. There is a beauty to snow. When we see everything around us and and. I remember my father saying multiple times, and I, I totally agree. When we go without snowfall in, in the northern hemisphere here, up north, and we go a while without it, the snow gets dirty. The snow gets dirty, and and it's like us. And it's all by man. 
you know, we, we make trails or animals make trails and we have dirty shoes or dirty cars or, you know, we're kicking up rocks and different things and the snow turns from this beautiful white to this off gray. And then you can get a fresh snowfall and everything suddenly is this crystal clear, beautiful white. And we have to remember that, you know, that's that's what God's like. The world beats it up. Man beats it up. God then restores it. It's it think about if if you get the chance, look up there's a couple different small documentaries online. I can see if I can find one. Chernobyl. This place that humans still can't be at. The radiation levels for mutation rates is still slightly above what they feel is safer for man. But the few people that they've let in to do research, to do documentaries about whatever, it's amazing how fast we see this world fleeting by man. Because we look at these places, and Chernobyl is 30 years ago, that nature has come back. The buildings are crumbling, the places are abandoned, they're in poor repair, Many places probably beyond repair. Not worth it. And nature doesn't look at it that way. Nature nature fights. Nature comes back. Nature wins. And I think it's it's a beautiful symbol of, of God with us. God doesn't give up. God keeps fighting. God wins. We know this. God so loved the world. The world isn't just the people in it. The world is everything that God put there. That God was a part of making. God has his hand in this beautiful creation. And it's amazing for us how often we we forget that. We don't take the time. We don't look at it that way. That's why we don't have people, I feel, often enough writing psalms like what we have in Psalm 19, talking about the beauty of the world. And if, we're, if we aren't doing this, are we just falling into the ways of the world? Are we falling into the ways of what, what, what Paul is talking about? Are we getting consumed with human things? And I think that's an argument for you to wrestle with. Are you spending enough time doing something that's going to help you get closer to the Father? Doing something that's, that's challenging what the world says is important. I feel listening to this podcast in a way is doing that. You're listening to a young kid, 26, listening to a young person saying that faith and science work together. There's a lot of things in that statement that a lot of people would discount and say that 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 shouldn't be happening. So I think in one way you are. But I would would challenge you and challenge your congregations to think about again in in your faith communities around you. Are you falling into the ways of the world? Are you falling into the wisdom of man? Or are you falling into the wisdom of God? And for me, my answer is I have to spend time with God's creation because that helps humble me. 
it's amazing how often I can I can be sitting there and thinking about all these different things I can't do or I could do or spend money on this or spend money on that. And it's amazing that when I get out on the trail and I get out to go and take photographs of something, for me like birds, that all fades away. It doesn't matter. Yes, it might be helpful. Yes, I wish I had this. It might make this experience a little bit better. But there's always a point of it that it isn't about whatever that piece of gear or whatever that thing is. There's a peace that always comes, I feel, with connecting with God's creation. And for me, I would argue that part of that is that you're giving God time to speak. You're giving, you're, in my, if heaven is at all what I can only imagine what it's like, walking into a woods where there's little to no one else for miles. Hearing that calm, hearing those birds, hearing that crunch maybe under my feet, hearing the wind move through those trees, that's the the beginning of the essence of God. And so for me, as we look at it from a science perspective, I see spending time with God's creation. And that we have this beautiful gospel and knowing what John kind of goes through and what we go through in this time of Lent and where it ends up at Easter, that we no longer have a God that we, we have the Ark of the Covenant that we're having to carry around with us. He's, he's with us already. He's around us. He's moving. He's, he's there waiting for us. At times, maybe we need to spend the time to actually go and meet him. So, again, I know this is a little bit different than some of these. And I would love hearing feedback. If there's ones that you like, if there's ones you don't like, is there? I'd love to kind of figure out how to make this a better podcast for all of you. And I'm really excited. There's a couple things I'm working on with a couple different people that I'm really, really excited about. Some unique things, some things that I think are going to help you, the listener, be able to get more out of this and hopefully be able to help so that if you feel like you want to share this with somebody, it's a little bit easier to do. I am working on it. But again, I want to thank you for tuning in and I'm going to end it like we always do. I pray God blesses you with your faith and amazes you through science.